Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take, on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, this time we're going to take a look at what's next for Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Um, yesterday morning, we got news that negotiations between the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson... Um, had come to an end. Uh, Jackson had previously said that he had a deadline to stop negotiations when the regular season started. Um, Ravens' first game is on Sunday against the Jets. Now, the statement that was put out by General Manager um, Eric DaCosta said, Despite best efforts on both sides are unable to reach a contract extension with Lamar Jackson, We greatly appreciate how he has handled the process, and we are excited about our team with Lamar leading the way. We will continue to work towards a long-term contract after the season, but for now we're looking forward to a successful 2022 campaign. Um, As everyone knows, Lamar Jackson does not have an agent. Um, There have been reports from uh, one um, Yahoo's uh, Charles Robinson and then in the Baltimore Sun that uh, Jackson wanted a fully guaranteed contract, which is what everyone was, was assuming. Robinson also um, reported that the last offer, and there have been very few, very few details uh, about what had been offered. I know um, Jay Glazer a couple of weeks ago had reported that um, the Ravens had an offer on the table which exceeded Kyler Murray's recent extension, which averages $46.1 million per year. Then after that, uh, Russell Wilson became the second highest paid player in the NFL at $49 million per year on a five-year extension. Um, but Robinson sources told him that the Ravens offer made him the – would have made him the second highest paid player in the league. Um, Aaron Rodgers, the uh, Packers quarterback, is that at – $50,231,667 per year, highest paid player, and second most guarantees NFL contract. Sean Watson's fully guaranteed contract of $330 million over the five years is the most guaranteed. Second most guaranteed, most people are saying it's $189.5 million for Kyler Murray, um, second most uh, guaranteed NFL contract. So that would mean the offer had more than that in overall guarantees and more than Russell Wilson's $124 million presumably fully guaranteed at signing since he was second fully guaranteed at signing. And doesn't say length of contract, but presumably that would be to get second most guarantees, you'd be talking five-year extension. Now, Lamar doesn't have an agent maybe uh, focused narrowly on the fully guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson got, that seems to be an outlier because nobody else has gotten one um, thus far. Um, if he had an agent, the agent probably would have shifted from the fully guaranteed contract model. I know I would. I would have. But in order for me to basically 
kill full and guaranteed contracts, at least for the foreseeable future, you're going to have to make monumental concessions on the Ravens' side. So wouldn't have been a five, wouldn't have been a five-year deal. I'm talking a four-year deal with uh, great cash flow. Uh, we'd have to be second in overall guarantees, fully guaranteed at signing, and probably highest-paid player in the league, but would have had some flexibility on the average more than, more than anything else. Now, John Harbaugh, the Ravens' head, head coach, made a statement shortly after um, news came out of uh, Lamar not getting a contract, and he expressed the uh, – Confidence about an extension um, eventually being done and that Lamar was going to be the quarterback for the Ravens for a long time. Well, this is kind of setting up like a Joe Flacco situation to me because 2012 season, actually a decade ago, Joe Flacco and the Ravens tried to negotiate a contract extension. Couldn't get there. He decided to bet on himself. Flacco's bet, quite frankly, did not look like it was going to pay off. Um, I think uh, they ended up uh, firing the offensive coordinator late in the season. Jim Caldwell took over um, as the play caller. Flacco plays out of his mind during four playoff games. Ravens win the Super Bowl. He's Super Bowl MVP. Joe Flacco becomes the highest paid player in the league. So this is kind of setting up to have a parallel um, with Flacco's situation. Obviously, Lamar's a lot more accomplished from an individual performance standpoint than Joe Flacco. He's won an MVP. Flacco was never a Pro Bowl player at any point in his career, which still continues. And ironically, um, he's going to be the uh, quarterback that the Ravens are facing in the opener against the Jets tomorrow. Lamar is betting on himself. And that does come with a little bit of a risk of injury. That if he had a catastrophic injury, then... Whatever the offer was on the table, the exact dollar amount, kiss that goodbye. I'm assuming he's got um, curing injury insurance in place or will have it in place by the uh, start of the game tomorrow, maybe with a skill diminishment rider as well. But we've seen that you can have a serious injury as a quarterback and still be okay. Dak Prescott, a couple of years ago, Pretty bad ankle injury, playing on his first franchise tag. Got franchised a second time, and shortly thereafter became the first uh, $40 million per year, second $40 million per year player in the NFL behind um, Patrick Mahomes. And so what injury would Lamar need for everything to just go really wrong? Well, I don't think it's – I know he relies on his legs more than anybody else. He's – Avoided big hits. Um, Josh Allen the other night took a ton of hits uh, against the Rams when they blew out the Rams in the uh, kickoff game of the season on Thursday night. But Lamar doesn't take hits like that. Uh, Lamar's someone that kind of is like Barry Sanders was, the Hall of Fame running back with the uh, when he was with the Lions, that nobody got a real clean shot on Barry uh, Lamar's been very elusive from that regard. I know he missed the last four games of the regular season with the ankle injury, but it hasn't been like one of those big shots where you're like, wow, uh, he can't sustain that type of punishment like the can't like the shots Cam Newton used to take as a running quarterback. Um, but it wouldn't be uh, ACL. We saw Adrian Peterson 
um, about a decade ago, tears ACL. Then the very next season, almost broke the single-season rushing record. So you can, pull, you can rule out the ACL being the injury. Um, I'd say Achilles more than anything else, which would affect his speed. But Cam Akers tore his Achilles right before training camp last year, came back and played in the playoffs uh, during the Rams' Super Bowl run. So I'm not sure it's the Achilles injury. Uh, we've seen Kevin Durant in basketball come back and be Kevin Durant after the Achilles injury. So it would probably have to be concussion-related or spinal, most likely, uh, even with the shoulder injury. Drew Brees, years ago, playing on a franchise tag in, I think, 2005, career-threatening shoulder surgery to his throwing shoulder, uh, goes to the um, Saints on a contract where there could have been an out after one year, um, successfully comes back and eventually becomes highest-paid player in the league. Uh, first $20 million per year playing in the NFL, so not the shoulder injury. Now, that means that um, they've talking about negotiations resuming after the season. And Lamar is destined for a franchise tag unless something catastrophic happens. Franchise tag window next year is from February 21st to March 7th. That's the 15-day window that the... Um, Ravens could have a franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. So they're going to resume negotiations after the season. Um, if he gets through the season healthy, unless he just stinks up the joint in like Carson Palmer did in the year he regressed a couple of years ago, which led to him uh, being traded to the Colts, he's getting a franchise tag. And it's the question of which one. Will it be the exclusive franchise tag? or the non-exclusive franchise tag. And um, in Flacco, let's go back to Flacco. In Flacco's case, they were going to have to put a franchise tag on him in three days before the deadline of deal was done. So if you start negotiating with Lamar after the season, his best deal is probably going to come right before that deadline on March 7th, or, or as you get close to the deadline on March 7th. Then it's, as I said, exclusive versus non-exclusive tag. And... The tags have different rights and different price points. Now, if you have a non-exclusive tag, then what I mean the rights are different is that you are allowed to solicit an offer sheet from other teams. And you can sign in on one offer sheet, and if the offer sheet is unmatched, then the Ravens get two first-round picks if an unmatched offer sheet. On the exclusive tag... It's a closed negotiation. You can't solicit offer sheets from other teams. Only team you can negotiate with would be the Ravens if we get to that point. Now, non-exclusive franchise tag currently projects to 14.212% of the 2023 salary cap. Now, we don't know what that final number is going to be because we don't know what the salary cap is going to be next year. But from what some teams have told me, that they're using 225 is the most common number I've gotten for internal projections for next year's cap. Some have been at 222.5, but let's say those projections, and they're usually on the conservative side, are right, and it's 222.5. Then we're talking right about 32 million for the non-exclusive tag. But you subject yourself to an offer sheet, two first-round picks. For a quarterback 
who has won an MVP would be a relative bargain from a draft capital standpoint. And the reason I say that is the compensation that Deshaun Watson, when he was traded from the Texans to the um, Browns this year, was Watson in a six-round pick in 2024 for three first-round picks, a fourth-round pick in 2022, a fourth-round pick in 2024, and a 2023 third-round pick. Russell Wilson, when he went from Seattle to the uh, Broncos, it was two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and multiple players. So you could get Lamar Jackson for two first-round picks. That's a steal. (laughs) So given that draft choice compensation aspect of it, and subjecting yourself to an offer sheet. And also, if you look at what has happened when quarterbacks have been franchised, the last five times quarterbacks have been franchised, and the last five was Drew Brees, 2012 exclusive. Kirk Cousins in 2016, non-exclusive tag. 2017, he got the exclusive tag. Dak Prescott, 2020, played on an exclusive tag. They did give him the second tag in 2021, which was also exclusive, before he signed the $40 million per year contract. So four out of the last five times a quarterback has been franchised, it has been the exclusive tag. So I'm thinking if Lamar gets franchised, it's going to be the exclusive tag. Now, the exclusive tag, much different price point, different calculation. It's not this cap percentage average of the non-exclusive tag where you're taking, you're summing up the franchise tags of how they used to be calculated pre-2011 for the previous five years. Take that, and then you take the sum of the uh Salary cap for the previous five years, divide them into each other to get that 14.212 percentage, then multiply that by what the 2023 cap is going to be, and that's how you get the 32 million. For the exclusive tag, different calculation. What you do is you take the average of the top five salaries at the end of the restricted free agent signing period for next year, which will end on March 21st. And by average, the top five salaries, that is salary cap numbers of some minor adjustments. So as it stands right now, the people factoring into the exclusive franchise tag, which would project to $45.248 million, are Deshaun Watson at $54.993 million, Dak Prescott at $49.13 million, Patrick Mahomes at $46,243,381, Josh Allen at $39,272,281, and Ryan Tannehill at $36.6 million. Now, um, with Mahomes and Allen, it's further for, I should say, for Watson, Prescott, and Tannehill, it's their complete cap numbers. For Mahomes and Allen, it's their cap numbers minus a $550,000 workout bonus um, for Mahomes' case and Allen's $500,000 workout bonus. It's been taken out of the calculation. So 
the average of those five numbers, 45.248 million. So you're talking about 13.25 million dollar difference in the two tags. Now, the one thing about the uh, exclusive tag is it's subject to change depending on what happens with quarterback developments, mark developments in that market between now and then. So you could have new deals to get done, um, restructures. You got if guys get cut, then they're out of the equation. But we have restructures for cap purposes. This is where there could be some gamesmanship. The the date that Lamar is given the exclusive tag, which I think he will get if they don't have a deal in place, that restructures after the tag has been given don't count. So let's say Watson, who's in the division, the Browns want to restructure him. Lamar gets tagged on the 7th, the final day. They can't get a deal done. He's tagged on the 7th of March. And Deshaun gets uh, done on a restructure March 14th. Drops his cap number down tremendously. That new cap number doesn't matter for these purposes. Then it's Deshaun's 54.993 million, which goes to the calculation. So <laughs> I don't think if, if, if the Ravens are going to tag Lamar, the Browns aren't going to help out and lower the tag number. They're going to try to keep it as high as possible. It's not going to restructure until then. So it is subject to change, but uh, we have to go with the information we have right now, which is that's what the tag is going to be, uh, 45.248 million. And you can't, you can't even entertain offer sheets from anybody else. And I think that's why he get the exclusive tag. Yeah, if the Ravens decided signability became an issue, and they wanted to trade him, you could do a sign and trade. If you're going to go exclusive, no team is going to give you more than two first-round picks because they just signed to an offer sheet. So if you were going to had an inclination to trade Lamar because you weren't going to read his demands and things had gotten beyond repair, you'd give him the exclusive tag anyway and then try to auction him off the highest bidder. Because we saw with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson that quarterbacks are worth more a lot more than two first-round picks. You've had non-quarterbacks who've gone for two first-round picks, which is why, which further goes to the draft capital with the offer sheet for the non-exclusive tag not being a deterrent. You had, in the past couple of years, past three, four years, you've had Laramie Tunsil. When the Dolphins were given an offer, they basically couldn't refuse. Um, he went for two first, the second, Johnson, Batamosi, Julian Davenport. It was Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and a fourth-round pick coming back. Jalen Ramsey, when the Jaguars traded him to the Rams, was two first and a fourth. Jamal Adams, when he went from the Jets to uh, the Seahawks, it was Adams and a fourth-round pick for two first, uh, a third, and Bradley McDougald. So <laughs> the draft choice compensation, as I said, would be a relative bargain. Uh, for Deshaun Watson with the offer sheet, which is why I think we go uh, the exclusive tag route without a deal getting done before the tag deadline of March 7th uh, next offseason. The exclusive franchise tag, which I think Jackson's going to get, will be 
especially problematic uh, for the uh, Ravens. Now, the Ravens right now have about $5.6 million of cap space according to NFLPA data uh, that can carry over to next year. And for 2023, there are 41 players under contract, top 51 count during offseason cap accounting. And those guys take up just under $181 million uh, a cap space. So we'll say to get to top 51, that's roughly another $9 million. It's going to put you at 190 And if the cap's going to be at 225 you're at 190 And then you got, let's say, the Ravens get through the season with five of the five six. So let's say they're 195 in cap commitments for top 51. And you got to throw 45 million of a. I mean, excuse me, I did that wrong. If they're at a 190, then it goes down to 185. If you have the carryover room, uh, you subtract, not add. So they're at 185. So you got. 185 of cap commitments. So, you got 40 million of cap space without restructuring a contract. You need 45 to accommodate the tag. You have no cap space. You're going to have to restructure contracts because you couldn't even fit in a $45 million plus exclusive tag because you only have 40 million of cap space. So, and that tag counts from the moment you make the designation. So, he didn't have to sign it, just like Jesse Bates's $12.911 million hit for his franchise tag this year was counting on the Bengals cap all offseason until he signed a couple of weeks ago. That's $45 million of space gone. So that is tough for the Ravens to handle, $45 million. Yeah, could they do it? Yeah. Would they want to do it? No. So if Lamar can get through the season healthy, He's going to have a significant amount of leverage. Then if I'm Lamar, I'm in no rush to get a deal done unless it's the deal I want. Patience has been Lamar's friend. If he had an agent, there's a possibility he gets a deal done last year. And that deal would have been in the Josh Allen neighborhood. Probably would have been a six-year deal, like or maybe five. Six probably because Josh Allen did six, six-year extension. And that's at 43. So what happens by waiting with Lamar? You get first Aaron Rodgers fundamentally changes the market. First $50 million per year quarterback. You get Browns doing something which has angered everybody, every other team in the league with the fully guaranteed basketball contract. $230 million over five years when Deshaun Watson had four years left on his contract, which made it a very cost-contained contract at $136 million, tear it up and give him a fully guaranteed contract $230 million. Now, they kind of had to do it. They had to do something because they were eliminated. It was the Saints and it was the Falcons were his two choices. The Browns were basically, what is it going to take to get us back in? And David Mulgata, Deshaun Watson's agent, did what he was supposed to do. Took advantage of the situation for the best interest of his client. Deshaun Watson didn't care about 
anything else. He's trying to do what's best for Deshaun Watson financially. There you got it. $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Then Kyler Murray signs $230.5 million on a five-year extension. Then we have Russell Wilson, most recently, last week, goes for $245 on a five-year extension. So patience has been his best friend. So there's a July 15th deadline for franchise players to sign a long-term deal. After that, you're back to a one-year deal. You can sign the tender and still do a long-term deal. So I would just wait. I would tell the Ravens, look, if we don't get get my deal done before March 7th, we can start talking in earnest as we get close to the deadline. Or I'd slow play the negotiation, waiting for, for two reasons. One, you have two quarterbacks who were taken in the first round in 2020, Joe Burrow, who went number one, and Justin Herbert went number five, taken by the Bengals and, and the Chargers, who were eligible for contract extensions after this regular season ends. So, day after season ends, January 9th, I believe, is the date they are eligible to sign contract extensions. I wait to see what those two guys are going to do. One, if you're trying to get a fully guaranteed contract still, I don't think they necessarily are going to help, but in the off chance that they do, you've got more ammunition. And even if they don't get a fully guaranteed contract, you're really no worse off because nobody else has gotten one. Um, odds are you're not getting one anyway. But what they should do is raise your floor because I suspect both these guys are going to be $50 million per year quarterbacks if they play the way they did in their first two NFL seasons. Now, I honestly don't think either one gets a fully guaranteed contract. Um, that archaic funding rule in the CBA where you have to put an escrow uh, future guarantees, which are guaranteed for more than injury, will be the roadblock. The Chargers don't give lump sum signing bonuses. When Joey Bosa in 2016 had the longest holdout under the Ricky Wade scale for a draft pick, it wasn't so much he was trying to get no offsets. It was trying to get a more favorable, one of the things is a more favorable payment schedule on his signing bonus, which he ultimately did. But they don't pay signing bonuses in a lump sum. You don't pay a signing bonus in a lump sum. How are you going to be able to put enough money in escrow for a fully guaranteed contract? So if Justin Herbert gets a deal done next year, he's not going to help. Joe Burrow getting a fully guaranteed contract would be a shock to me. I know the Bengals just did a name and rights deal, uh, something they haven't done for the stadium um, in Cincinnati. And I think that was uh, specifically related to Joe Burrow's contract. Now, problem is the Bengals with veteran contracts – the only guaranteed money is signing bonus. They're in the dark ages in terms of structure. Three teams do that. Well, only two teams now. The Steelers used to, but that precedent changed with T.J. Watt last year and then Minka Fitzpatrick this year. They now do base salary guarantees. The Packers, they only make, they've only made an exception for Aaron Rodgers. But 
It's those two teams, the Bengals, only guaranteed money is signing bonus. That's why I don't think Jesse Bates gets a deal done in Cincinnati, even, even if they try to re-sign him after the year. It'll be over the guaranteed money. So to go from just signing bonus, yeah, they do give these roster bonuses in year two and year three in March that are unsecured. They're supposed to substitute for guarantees, but it's not guaranteed money. So to go from that structure to a fully guaranteed contract for Joe Burrow, monumental task. If he's getting conventional guarantees, base salary guarantees like T.J. Watt did to break the precedent in Pittsburgh and being do that for Cincinnati, then that's a tremendous accomplishment. So I don't think Burrow gets a fully guaranteed contract either. But I wait to see if they can drive my price up generally. If Lamar is dead set on the fully guaranteed contract, he may have to play 2023 on a franchise tag. Because you play that first tag, and let's say the numbers don't change. Or let's say don't say say you're still at the 45248. Right now, that means your second tag is a 20% increase over your first one. You get a 20% raise on the second tag. So you're at $54,297,600 for a second tag. That'd be in 2024. Yeah, you can, you can tag someone three times in your career. A third tag in 2025 gets more expensive. It's 144% of your prior year's salary. So we're talking a tag in 2025 of $78,188,544 if nothing changes in the the projected number. He would be free in 2025, just like Cousins was. And that's the path to the fully guaranteed contract. Playing at least one tag, because going into year two, if the Ravens still, he's, he's the guy they want, Knowing that in 2025 he can leave, and at most all you could get is a third-round compensatory pick. At that point, you either sign Lamar, you trade him, and if you're signing Lamar, you're probably caving on the fully guaranteed contract at that point, unless he's decided to uh, concede the issue. But if Lamar ever got to market after making almost a hundred million, it'd be if you go two tags with these numbers, it's ninety-nine million five hundred forty-five thousand six hundred dollars. So two tags, and then you're like Cousins, and Cousins got a fully guaranteed contract for just being an above-average quarterback, a good quarterback. Lamar, an MVP winner, and you you would hope that he grows as a pocket passer in the next two years while retaining a majority of his athleticism. Maybe he has kind of the growth that Michael Vick did. Because with the Eagles, Michael's still athletic, but was more of a pocket passer and got franchised and got a long-term deal then. So if Lamar is adamant about the fully guaranteed contract, he's not getting a deal done in 2023 most likely either. It's just a question of whether it's a – playing it out on two tags, embracing them like cousins, hitting the open market, or whether that forces the hand of the Ravens in 2024 to give them the fully guaranteed contract. But um, now it's just up to – we'll see if Lamar can uh, avoid a serious injury, um, see how well he plays this year, and then this thing will pick back up uh, after the season. 
Um, maybe if Lamar has a, uh, goes out another MVP year, wins a Super Bowl, he gets fully guaranteed contract this year. But short of that, I don't think he does. But this thing will creep back in and become front and center once we have a uh, someone wins the Super Bowl this year. Then we get closer to that tag deadline on March 7th. Um, then we'll see Lamar Jackson uh, situation dominate the early offseason headlines. Well, that's going to be it for this week's uh, Inside the Cap. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L. And also read my CBSSports.com column, Agents Take. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye.